Hey everyone, it's Alex, and we are back with episode two of our mini-series, Matrescence, which explores the massive transition that women go through as they move from being a mom into being a mother. And this series features Ami Song, who is an influencer and entrepreneur and also new mom, in conversation with our very own parallel panel member and reproductive psychiatrist, Dr. Sarah Oreck. Today, they dive into depression, anxiety, and ambivalence. It is way more common than you think, so I hope you find today's episode helpful. So today we're going to be talking about matricence, a word now that I can finally say, (laughs) transitioning into motherhood. And with postpartum, so many changes happen to our body, psychologically, emotions, like hormones. Like what's up with all of these hormones? (laughs) Can you tell us more about them? So, you know, during pregnancy, uh, delivery, and then breastfeeding, we have some of the biggest changes as women that we have in our hormones. Um, So you may know some of the bigger or sort of more popular uh, hormones that we know are estrogen and progesterone really increase during the pregnancy to sustain a lot of parts of the pregnancy. And then during delivery, once the placenta is delivered, those just sort of crash. And so this is possibly the biggest hormonal shift that any woman will ever experience in her life. So of course there are some sort of emotional, physical, right, um, kind of effects of this. And I think what's important to recognize is that everyone reacts differently to their hormones. Um, For some people, they have difficulty with premenstrual symptoms, for example. Some others don't. Um, So what we know here is that it's not the absolute number of the hormones, because people always ask me, can I check my hormones? Can I make sure that they're not, you know, they're in the right balance? But truly, every single person reacts differently, and it's the change in hormones. So some people are more sensitive to those changes than others. And for some, that change can mean some mental health issues. So breastfeeding also has a huge change in hormones. You may have heard of prolactin and oxytocin. That's the love hormone that for so many people is that sort of bonding experience they have when they're breastfeeding their baby. I do have to say that it's not always the same. So for some people, uh, breastfeeding can actually be distressing and they have something called dysphoric milk ejection reflex. This is something we can talk about in detail, but I just want to say that every experience can be different. Um, And what people sometimes don't remember is that when we wean from breastfeeding, there's also a huge hormone change. So that this can also affect emotions and sort of um, it it impacts people in different ways, Mm -hmm. um, which is really important. But yet another thing that apart from hormones, which can impact mental health, sleep. You know how difficult it is to get sleep, especially when you're feeding on demand. And sleep is one of those components that really impacts mental health. So, you know, I think all of these hormonal changes, sleep deprivation, right, changes in diet and how active we are can bring up so much. For some, it can just be ambivalence, which we should talk about, then postpartum depression or anxiety or even other mood issues. How often and how common is it for women to experience all these things? Yeah, so ambivalence, I think, is pretty common. Ambivalence is something we all feel, right? It's all the time, even before being mothers. It's the feeling of sort of holding one thing and then an opposing emotion on the other hand, like breastfeeding feeling so wonderful and cuddly and excited to connect with your baby, but also feeling frustrated that you're the only one that does this or that your body has changed or that you're tired and your partner can't help you feed the baby. Um, So I think that that's pretty common across the board. It can be about so many different things, but I see it a lot in work, right? Even, Even from pregnancy, 
the thought of, oh man, my life is going to change so much, right? I'm going to lose some parts of my independence. I'm going to be responsible for this child until they're, you know, an adult because you're always a mother. Um, unfortunately, the pandemic, I think, has also um, increased a lot of the rates of ambivalence. We've seen birth rates go down, certainly, and also it's really increased the rates of postpartum anxiety and depression specifically. Um, we think almost threefold. So before the pandemic, we estimated that one in seven women maybe had postpartum depression. But now we think that might be one in three or one in four, right? The numbers are really so much higher. And I think this has to do with the lack of supports, right? That lack of community that really occurred during the pandemic. Um, similarly, anxiety, there's so many anxiety disorders. So it's hard to kind of parse them all out. But we think in the order of one in five women experiences postpartum anxiety. So these are quite frequent. I have a question. So how can we recognize postpartum depression or anxiety? Because I feel like when you're in the thick of it, you can't recognize it until you're out of it. Yes. And you're like, oh, wait, was I depressed? Yes. Was I that postpartum? This happens so frequently. Um, I love that you bring that up. And so maybe it's worth sort of talking about the different types of sort of emotions that you can feel. Baby blues is actually something that we talk about it right after delivery, 28 to 48 hours after delivery, because of that shift in hormones, people can have some weepiness or tearfulness, sort of emotions that come out of nowhere. Sometimes it's sadness, irritability, just sort of like mood fluctuations. Um, and this often goes away after two weeks. There isn't a hopelessness. There's still a hope and connection with the baby. Um, but these mood changes are quite frequent. And so this is very different from someone who ends up with postpartum depression or anxiety. Um, to your point, before I sort of tell the talk about the differences, I think it's important for everyone in the family to get some education around what these are, because often the person that's experiencing them doesn't recognize them or is too busy surviving, right? Sometimes with a baby, you're like on autopilot. You can't even think about what emotions you're having. Um, and so for the people around you to sort of be able to understand what are the symptoms, what are the red flags. With postpartum depression, it's everything we think of depression in terms of low mood, right? Inability to enjoy things that we used to like. But like insomnia is a little challenging, right? Because you are maybe breastfeeding a baby on demand. So you're not getting very much sleep. Um, but I think the most concerning things with postpartum depression are that inability to connect with baby feeling like baby would be better off with a different mother or that maybe you're better off not being alive. Mm -hmm. And those are huge red flags. And this is where, again, support system is so important and open conversations about it. With anxiety, you know, some of the things that I see are a lot of worries around health, specifically baby's health, mm -hmm. right? Um, there's some monitors where you can see the baby breathing and all that stuff, but that can sometimes really increase parents' anxieties. Um, so checking on baby constantly, feeling like no one else can take care of them. And a really big hallmark of, of postpartum anxiety are intrusive thoughts. So these are like bizarre thoughts that maybe you, you're, you're holding your baby and they might fall down the stairs. Oh my gosh, I've had those thoughts. Yes, actually. yes. I'm like, you're not alone. What if I accidentally drop the baby? Yes. Like, oh my gosh. Right, okay. or feeling scared about like bathing the baby that they might drown or something. Things. Exactly. Oh my gosh. I that feels really crazy. frightening to yeah, you. Yeah, I'm like, why am I having these thoughts? I'm like, why am I always thinking the worst? Like... 
Exactly. Yeah. So you are so not alone. And actually, there's a biological reason for that. So part of that brain that develops during pregnancy and gets bigger is called the amygdala, which is our alarm system of our brain. And when we think about it, infants are tiny creatures that can't fend for themselves. So you have to be, right, when we were hunter-gatherers, ready to kind of battle a lion if they come after your baby. So in some ways, I think that's heightened. And so we as new mothers see every single danger in our environment. But when people have these thoughts, they get incredibly anxious that they want to harm their baby. But I want to reassure you that it's actually, right, it's, it's a worry that's probably biologically driven. And if it's a, it's a thought that sort of makes you distressed or like, oh, my God, I would never do that, it's most likely to be this intrusive thought. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is quite common with anxiety. And again, this is something to, for your loved ones to talk about, to know about, um, because sometimes you can suffer in silence and be like, oh, does this mean I'm a horrible mother? I kind of want to go back to uh, postpartum depression. Like, how can our partners and, like, our loved ones, like, support us? I notice, I remember, like, for me, I would have, like, these, like, sad or, like, kind of, like, depressing thoughts, especially in the middle of the night when I was, like, breastfeeding alone and my partner was, like, sleeping. I'm like, how dare you sleep? Yes, (laughs) yes, yes. And then I would actually feel depressed. But I I was confused. But not every time you breast. Not, no. It was just, like, in the middle of the night. Like, during the day, I would be, like, so happy and, like, the positive, like, happy Ami. And then in the middle of the night, like, because of the lack of sleep, I'm just, like, I feel dreadful, a little depressed, very alone, like so sad, very emotional. And then, um, and then one thing that would really irk me is Jacopo, if he would be like, um, baby, do you feel depressed? I'm like, don't ask me if Uh, I'm feeling depressed. I don't know. Something about that question would annoy me. He's like, do you think that's postpartum depression? He was trying to support me and help me. But the way he phrased it, are you going through postpartum depression? Even though it's like very thoughtful, it would just annoy me so much. Because he's Uh making an assumption, right? And I think that's where it's difficult. And I am all about asking how you're doing and leaving it open-ended exactly for that reason, right? Like, because you're attaching things like you're like, what, what is he assuming about me? What's going on here? And it can, it can sound patronizing. Yeah. Um, and I think that is such a good description of it, right? That where he's so well-intentioned, but maybe the way that we phrase things needs to be different. I notice you're not getting much sleep or that you're pretty quiet at, you know, this hour. How can I help you? Mm-hmm. By not sleeping. <laughs> So like wake up and change the baby while I breastfeed. Yeah. You want a companionship. But the funny thing is, no, I do want him to sleep so that like we can take turns, you know, but just in the middle of the night. I mean, it was just the first two months when I was feeling that way. Middle of the night. I'm like, how dare you sleep? I think you're you're bringing up a good point where I always felt like, especially when you're new parents, it's so nice to do things as a team. But I know that there's the perspective, especially if there's only two caretakers, that there needs to be breaks taken. Um, But, you know, like pulling an all-nighter when I was in medical school or a resident, like it's so much nicer when you have people around, not when you're alone. (laughs) So I absolutely do. Yes, (laughs) there is something about being sleep-deprived in those hours that are pretty isolating. But like talking about that, figuring out with your partner, like how can we make that better because I'm not feeling well at night. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, and asking him, I'd appreciate if you didn't use those words, but just ask me how I am and then maybe together we can figure out if I'm depressed or not. Yeah, so helpful. I wish I had you a month ago. (laughs) Okay. So when I was going through postpartum, I actually didn't 
I even still don't know, honestly, if I went through postpartum depression because I was like really in the thick of it. I feel like I'm still in the thick of it because I have moments. And I'm definitely, I've always suffered from like some kind of anxiety. So I think that was heightened too, like with the lack of sleep, um, the lack of help because another thing like i know we're going to be talking about like mom guilt in our next episode which i'm so excited to like talk about because i feel a lot of that but yeah so like because of mom guilt and all of that i Jacopo and i actually actually didn't really hire help in the beginning so the first two months we did everything ourselves i mean the only thing we did was had somebody cook for us um but like we didn't have like a nighttime nurse or a baby nurse until like we're like okay we're like literally like we're dying (laughs) and we're just like it's just so hard um so I didn't hire help until month three and like everything changed once Mm -hmm. I hired a baby nurse I'm like oh my gosh this is very liberating somebody's helping us like clean the bottles and like I can play with Teo like and mentally I think I saw a shift so for me like there were certain tools, like obviously hiring help. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like I went back to doing my therapy. I'm not as consistent as I wish I could be. Mm-hmm. But like before giving birth, I was like once a week type oh. of person. I don't have that time anyway. still. Yeah, but but still, I'm still like whenever I notice, like I'm still able to have my therapy sessions, which is like tremendous. Like, and then also trying to get back into like meditating, journaling, even though it's not as consistent as I wish I could be, but I would love to hear like, what are some other great tips and like things that you can do for like self-care Yes, and and to get out of it? You know, I think you are privileged enough to have the ability to hire assistants, which I think is so important if you can. Mm -hmm. Um, but there are also ways to sort of tap family tap friends, right? Community to really help. Um, and I think this is something we have to invest in, right? Invest when we're not pregnant to help others and those around us during pregnancy. So in turn, right, we'll help each other. Um, so I do think tapping into that. Also, I know we've talked about self-care before, and I think it's so important. Um, and I, I do want to say that there's a lot of societal issues that need to change. So I don't want to put sometimes self-care feels like a burden for the people that are suffering the most, right? Mm-hmm. For moms that are completely overwhelmed to kind of do more things, right? To journal, to meditate, those still work. Um, so I want to say, I want to validate that we do need to make more systemic changes, right? Make childcare affordable. Let's give people parental leave. Um, but I do think since we only control very little, right? Or what's in front of us, I think it's important important to figure out how can people do very small things that can make them feel like themselves or make them feel connected to sort of who they were, who they are. And this can be very small, like brushing your teeth, right? Putting on other clothes other than pajamas. Um, And again, asking for what you need, not turning down help reflexively, which we often do maybe to be polite. Oh no, it's okay. Don't bring that food over. Accept it. (laughs) accept the help, right? Whatever, however small it is. Um, and I do think cultivating it by, by also doing those favors for our loved ones is a really lovely thing that we can start to build community. It's so weird. I don't know if it's like a woman thing or what, but like, it's so easy for me to like help a friend who's like suffering or like getting them, like I would like get them food or like if something happens, like I would do something Mm -hmm. yet 
when it's my turn to receive the help, it's so、yes. it feels so uncomfortable. You didn't even want to call your midwife. No, <laughs> I'm like, no, you <laughs> guys, I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> I'm good. I can take care of it. I don't know what it is. Yeah, so kind of challenging whatever that is, and exploring in therapy, like, what is this resistance to help?、Mm-hmm. What's this fantasy of me doing it all alone mean? Does it mean I'm a better mother, or I'm sort of this perfect mother?、Mm-hmm. And sort of questioning what that is, because I do think we need each other so much more. And the pandemic has shown us that、um, being isolated doesn't work so well,、mm-hmm. right? It, it increases sort of emotional distress. We've seen skyrocketing rates of mental health issues.、Um, so I guess the focus here is community.、Um, I also feel like the postpartum period can be very like isolating because. You're so excited with like、yes. the newborn baby, yet you have like all these like changes happening with your body, emotionally, mentally, and then you have this like pressure that everything is like like you need、how、to be positive, be,、right? like、exactly. how it should be,、exactly. and everybody's saying like, oh my gosh, you're doing great, you're doing amazing, <laughs> be happy, Go, why、mama. are you so sad? Like, and I feel like there. I don't know. I don't know. You like, have so to much、it. to be grateful for. There's yeah. There's a lot of that, and I feel so guilty. I'm like, I should be feeling so grateful. But then again, I feel like there's this kind of like toxic positivity.、Absolutely. I don't know if it's、you、like a、it. thing. Yes. Yes, it's absolutely a thing, and I think it's this idea that somehow being optimistic will magically make those difficult or challenging emotions go away. But you've been in therapy.、Mm-hmm. You know that no matter how much optimism, right? We're just pushing things down.、Yeah. We're just repressing them. And what happens when we push things down? They, it stays in our body. It comes out in ways that we don't have so much awareness of, right? And so I think it's so important to to be okay with suffering and with acknowledging some difficult, painful experiences because we know that's the way to work through them. And I actually think toxic positivity can be quite toxic in that way because it's avoidance.、Mm-hmm. Um, and so. Every experience, especially motherhood, comes with good and bad. And until we're able to sort of hold both of those things at the same time, it's pretty difficult. And again, it's not all good.、Um, and being optimistic doesn't, or, or sort of the toxic positivity, or maybe more like admitting that something's difficult or challenging, doesn't negate all of the good.、Mm-hmm, you、yeah. can still be really grateful and still be having a really hard time. Yeah, I love that. Because that's how I feel. <laughs> that's like so me. You're not alone. Oh my gosh! Thank you so much, Dr. Oreck. I can't wait to talk about mom guilt in our next episode because I have a lot of mom guilt. Thank you so much for sharing. Thanks for tuning in to Parallel Lives. Stay tuned for new episodes. And be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, so you don't miss an episode. If you like today's show, we'd be forever grateful if you take a moment to rate and review us. You can find us online at parallelhealth.com. That's P-E-R-E-L-E-L health.com, or on Instagram at parallelhealth. I'm Alex Taylor, and you've been listening to Parallel Lives. Thanks so much for tuning in. This podcast is brought to you by Parallel. We are a prenatal vitamin and supplement solution that adapts to your changing body's needs throughout your motherhood journey. All of our products offer the highest quality bioavailable ingredients at doctor-recommended doses, tailored to each unique phase: preconception, first trimester, second trimester, third trimester, and postpartum and beyond. 
because your prenatal vitamins shouldn't be one size fits all. Sign up for our newsletter at ParallelHealth.com to learn more.